Hey boomers, this is Sonic the Comic, the podcast you'll look back at the Sega-sational world of the 1990s and the United Kingdom's official Sega comic. We are your humes who think we're in charge. I'm Dave. And I am Chris. And this episode we are joined by a special guest. It's me, your best friend Abby Denton. Who are you and what on earth are you doing here? Why would an American know anything about this comic? Well, it's funny you ask that. I'm a stand-up comedian. I run a web series called Cyber Cafe. We've had a whole three episodes. And I am in the country visiting my family, my grandmother. Uh, I grew up sort of on both sides of the Atlantic because my mom grew up in Birkenhead and her family lived all over this country. So I would come here over the summers. They decided to educate me in the U.S. for some reason. Out of spite. I'm not <laughs> really sure. Uh, but then I looked it up yesterday, and because I was born between... No, two days ago now. Yeah. And this is this is the thing that's recontextualizing my whole life. Because I was born between 1983 and 2006, and I won't tell you when Precisely exactly when in that era. That. <laughs> uh, because my mom was still a British citizen when I was born, I actually automatically have dual citizenship. Yeah! So every time I've come here over my whole life, I've always felt like an outsider. But now I, I realize... That's just you the know, way we I'm, treat people. Yeah. So my one friend was uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog comics, because I read those in, in the U.S., where the Archie comics people made them, and they're their own unique... They tried their best, didn't they? Uh, you know, I, I was rereading some of them to get ready for this, too, yeah. and uh, some of them are just abominably bad, and some <laughs> of them are actually, like, I will stand up for the, the rabbit yeah. robot character is a great design. Oh, sure. Bunny robot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm no, I, I make fun, but I'm no Archie hater. I used to be very excited when I first heard about them. Yeah, so then I, I'd come over in and the And then summer. I read them. Oh. Hey, listeners. <laughs> hey, he crossed over with Sabrina the Teenage Witch once. Oh, fair enough. Did then. your Sonic ever do that? No, it didn't. So that's better? Worse? I don't even know, man. I'm joking. Archie's fine. Uh, and especially those last few years where it's been good anyway. Like, ignore me. I'm, doing, I'm honestly doing jokes, but I can't stop making fun of Archie. I can't stop. It's ingrained in me since I was like 15 years old. <laughs> Uh, so I, I'd come over here and just there's this completely different continuity, but I'd only ever get like two months of the year worth of comics while I was here. So I always thought that uh, Zachary, the robot echidna who would show up later, uh, I don't even know if we're allowed to talk about that yet. Uh, I always thought he was like the most important character and he had like <laughs> masterminded everything because he appeared in like the two consecutive years that I'd shown up and been able to read them in this country. Uh, but then it turned out that those were just the twice he appeared. Yeah. So we've got you here to talk about issue number five. Bit of a random one, but this is when you chose to visit the country. Uh, look... <laughs> I, I don't know if you want to get into this yet, but I was deeply insulted by the Sonic comic that I was forced to read for this. <laughs> That's what I like to hear, because Dave won't be that hard on this. So to quote my favourite line that I found in this issue, The year is 2019, and you are in for the drive of your life. It's issue 5 of Sonic the Comic, with four turbocharged comic strips inside. Like uh, like last issue, this is another one where Sonic is not on the cover, so we have Golden yes. Axe taking the uh, center stage this week with the promise of Sonic, Shinobi, Wonder Boy, News Reviews, Charts, The Q-Zone, and more all inside. Issue number five on the 24th of July, 1993. It's still the summer. I haven't started at big school yet. Everything is joy. I've just turned 11 a week beforehand. Oh. I had turned three a month before. Oh. <sighs> <sighs> So you go, aw, oh, and I go, ugh, as parts of me start crumbling away to dust. <laughs> so on the inside front cover, uh, this issue has every issue. We've got Mega Droid. I nearly said Megazord. I almost always nearly say Megazord. Telling us stuff about what's going to go on in STC, and he's getting us hyped up this time about the end of the first era 
of Sonic the Comic, with two of its series coming to their conclusion next issue. Not this issue! This is a bit of an in-betweeny sort of an issue. There really is nothing significant about this issue at all, so that's why you're here. I think there's something extremely significant about this issue, and that it should be classified as a war crime that this was ever sold to children. (laughs) Now see, when I was three... I would have been impressed by this because I mm. couldn't quite draw this well yet. Uh, well, you two have very... We're not there yet. We'll we're get there. there yet. <laughs> sorry, sorry. So the band Oceanic is pictured in the in the control zone uh, discussing the, yeah. the Sega Game Gear. Are you saying, aware of the band Oceanic? I didn't, I didn't even look them up. They, their last release was in 1999, but that was a remix of oh. their single from 1992. Their last release was in 93, so they, they just sort of spent Oh six gosh, years so this the is wilderness. them at the end of this their career. This is the end of their career. This is career. the very last. So, yes, Celebs on Parade, it says here, in a section called World of Sega. And then Another they- one of those photo segments where we exactly. see. You know, the, in the techno uh, music community, they say you appear in Sonic the Hedgehog comics twice in your career. Once on the way, <laughs> on the way up. up. <laughs> <laughs> There's a. It, yeah, they've been somewhere where. And it says where. It's. Uh, the Sega Capital Radio Road Show. Show. So evidently, they sent someone in a Sonic costume to stand next to whoever they could find that was technically a celebrity. But they could only get two photos with Sonic in it. And the third one, they're <laughs> oh, like, oh, yeah. they're, they're bored with Sonic. Now they're playing Game Gear, which you should buy. <laughs> available in your stores now. Um, but I do recognise M people. I remember yes, them. Yes, that's, that's the one I recognise. Search for the M hedgehog people. inside yourself and all that. <laughs> you know, now I say that, I, as an awkward teenager, I did write... That was the title of a lyrics written to Sonic Music song that I penned at one point. Oh, the no. The hedgehog inside... No, be the hedgehog or something like that. Oh, no. Be the hedgehog. It is there. It has always been in you. Supremely on-brand boomer. And there's somebody called Undercover or a man from something called Undercover? That's I've no idea who that is or who Oceanic See, we, we like to maintain an air of detached unawareness on this podcast. Yeah, that's... <laughs> we could look this stuff up. Well, at least we know we're not out of touch because this is the time when we were in touch and it, we still don't yeah. know. Yeah. I forgot that the publisher was named Chris Power, which I just think is a lovely name. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Chris, if you're listening. Lovely name. Um, something's up over on the Sega charts. Mega CD uh, has now been added, and it has an asterisk. It says Mega CD asterisk, and uh, that leads to the disclaimer, Mega CD chart covers only games released so far. And I was wondering why the other charts didn't feel the need to explain that they aren't sent back to us from the future, until I read the welcome screen section. Uh, Megadroid explains, I-, I should have put the emphasis on only. There are only six games out yeah. for the Mega CD at this early stage, so they can't do a top ten. They have to put all six games in there, which means that Black Hole Assault, which is not only <laughs> at number six, but it's down, is probably, what, the least popular game of 1993? Oh my god. Right, by default, fate. yes. <laughs> this is the age of Lemmings, and, and yeah. Flashback, and Tiny Toons, and Echo. Yes. And Sonic 2 was fresh and in all our memories. Oh, what a time. Hotshot alert! We've got a section down at the bottom left, hotshot alert, that tells us that next issue, we're going to be given the feature we've never been waiting for, and would never read, um, <laughs> the reader's high score sections. Which would never actually happen. Really? Really? Yeah, they promise it here to start in issue seven, but I, I readers, I skipped ahead, and it never happened. <laughs> not, not as iconic as I married him, but it'll do. <laughs> it's good that we don't get a high score section, because it really would be 
abstract meaningless numbers next to names we don't recognize yep. and why do you need a section for that and maybe that's why they chose not to do it or the fact it was i mean what, what do they say here uh high scores amazing achievements and downright false claims have been flooding the sdc <laughs> <Yeah>. controls <laughs> Sonic. i didn't even see who did the script on this oh my gosh I know, oh my right? gosh yeah. save it save it hold it <laughs> hold it in <laughs> This issue is Lost in the Labyrinth Zone, written by Mark Miller, with art by Woodrow Phoenix, and letters by John Aldrich. No sooner has Sonic completed his morning workout than Tails is abducted right in front of him by Arachbot, a prime badnik with no organic battery, who drags Tails underground and off to the Labyrinth Zone. Sonic and his friends give chase and catch up to the villain just as he's preparing to strap Tails back into his old robot suit. Sonic grabs the suit and uses its oil reservoir and weapon systems to set the labyrinth aflame, destroying Arachbot. Then it's back to the Green Hell Zone for breakfast. Well, I'm researching uh, Woodrow Phoenix right now, uh, partly because if you have the name Woodrow Phoenix, you have to like be engaged in some sort of life or death struggle with a, an alien force of some kind. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he actually kind of lives up to this. Like he's he's more of like a conceptual sort of guy. He designs fonts. Yeah. And he does like really cool. He's a cool stuff, guy. But I think he was short on time this week. This is my theory. Yeah, I, I think this is a good artist who's working very quickly, probably to a very sudden deadline. Maybe as time starts to work, it's dark magic on the production buffer. Well, That's the, my theory. The Archie comics would do this sometimes too, and I can never Many tell hands. if it's just like they don't... Because I feel like I would probably put a little less effort into like, oh, it's it's a kid's video game. Like, oh, it's yes. the Angry Birds comic. And this, exactly. And especially, well, now you say that, my wife put a lot of effort into Angry Birds illustrations when it was her turn. But I'm very sorry. Careful now. <laughs> but but if, if she put effort into it, then she's a better person than well, I. She's a better Abby thing. than I. The, the thing is, yeah, this was a new comic. Nobody knew yet what size it was going to be. And yes, quite frankly, I don't blame them for you know skimming it a little bit but then on the other hand like the shinobi stuff like that's that's solid yeah. work now lost in the labyrinth zone is this is another mark miller joint um um amazingly abby that one's taking you by surprise i forgot i forgot he'd done so very much. easily done but this is also a reunion of miller and phoenix who did uh issue two story and in many and in many ways this is actually um a direct sequel to issue two story and the first bit of of real inter-issue continuity that we've had. So you feel it sort of reflects themes and concepts <laughs> that were raised. I am very comfortable saying that I prefer their previous work. Yes. Yes, the art is even rougher than it was in issue two. Well, and I think the same goes for the script. I was just generally more engaged with the their previous collab. Yes, they had something going on with that when they had Tails' struggle against his badnik programming to, to fight mm -hmm. Sonic. I mean, again, I was reading this one and wondering if they had tweaked the script or art after the fact. The way we've talked about in the last couple of episodes where it seems like they, they probably just adjusted the script to try and account for the other stories that had been written that weren't planned. But this one definitely feels like it was written to follow on from, from issue two in which Tails was temporarily turned into a badnik and they try to put him back in the same old badnik robot suit in this issue. I mean, I would... I'd put money down that it was written during the same lunch break. <laughs> yes. And I don't mean, by the way, I don't mean that particularly disparagingly. As I said before, I think Mark's previous work on this comic is genuinely good. And, and yet I do believe it was done quite hurriedly. And that just as a testament to his skill, isn't it? We see uh, a lot of the stuff that we saw in the first issue or two where... Mm -hmm. Sonic's part in this story is genuinely he and his friends. For some reason, like Sally Acorn and a bunch of the other animal friends come along for no apparent reason. Um, She's but they wearing just... even less in this comic than she does in the Archie one. <laughs> and she gets naked a lot in the Archie one. <laughs> 
But it is just about them uh, dodging the features of the video game. They just run the level and get to the very end. There's a couple of things to focus on. On page one, we have what I think might be Sonic's only shower scene in all of STC. Uh. Um, Not the last of his career. There's a good one in Sonic Adventure. The shower is the first of two uh, shots in this uh, issue alone of Sonic uh, directly from behind, which I don't think they know anyone has ever figured out how to draw. Mm. We, we've talked about this in a previous episode. Yes, very much so. Over in Japan, they're currently nailing it right down because they are right now about to release Sonic CD, which still is the the cornerstone of what Sonic is supposed to look like. So someone somewhere knows what it looks like from behind. The artists in STC, they're doing their best. They've got very little to work with. And not just from behind, from in front. Any angle. Nobody well, really well, knew what the fan like. art we already get, I can understand why they'd be gun-shy about showing us Sonic from directly behind. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, frankly, even if it seems like there was a good reference model available, it wouldn't have translated well in, in this particular strip. It's just a blue Christmas tree. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Page two um, has a uh, reference to a, a jokey idea they had earlier on, which was referenced in Say Sonic, I believe, and is referenced again it, here, yeah. which is that someone who burns as many calories as Sonic would basically pound burgers down his gullet all day long. And here we have Sonic having a breakfast of 200 of them, which he approaches with altogether the wrong number of spines on his back, uh, <laughs> yeah. the back of his head at least. But, you know. Well, that's because he's hungry. Uh, there you go. Yeah. The perfect expression of this concept crystallized later in. Uh, the Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon yes, where they settle yes. on chili dogs. It's a goofy moment, certainly, and it does feel out of step with what Sonic the comic would become. Yeah. But I got a slight chuckle from it. It didn't feel wrong for this point in Sonic history. It made me think of adventures, obviously. Exactly. Now, by the way, if any Christian apologetics out there um, need convincing evidence of a kind god, look no further than the chili dog. You ever tried a chili dog? Did they exist before Sonic? Because they're kind of normal now. <laughs> I, they're pretty much just Dairy Queen, I think, and like weird food trucks. The chippy across the road from me does them, so... <laughs> oh my god, Chris. See, presumably they've existed for a long time. I certainly didn't encounter one in, in the wild for another ten years after Adventures, but when I did, ho crickles. Yes, sir. I like them. Now that you're describing it as like facing the... Um, the obstacles of a video game level, like I can kind of appreciate it more as an adaptation because yeah, it's like we previous, didn't have a lot of these. But the previous issues were better at that. That's <sighs> the problem. In, in this, it's just sort of there. It's so there. Yeah. Tails is then kidnapped by some bacon <laughs> that comes out of the ground, um, and it turns out to be the arms of some robots that take him down to the labyrinth zone. Well, you know, the series had only been around for a while. I don't think anyone knew what an octopus would look like. <laughs> they didn't yes. know what tentacles looked like. They thought they just Fair looked enough, like. Actually, uh, yeah. A child's drawing of a hand. And then we get the we get the phrase pixel brain being used here against <gasps> someone other than Tails. So in these early days, I guess it was a generic insult that Sonic used to like. And it got me thinking, because I always assumed that Nigel Kitching came up with pixel brain. No, I never thought that, to be honest. I, Did you I, not? No, I don't... Like, I, I, I think for this podcast, we really have to track down a copy of Stay Sonic, because I feel like oh, I, yeah. I maybe heard it from that, too. I don't oh, know. Hell, anyway, really? I'll take pixel brain over this terminally sexist, don't be such a girly Sally that Sonic throws back, which is it's very Mark Miller, but it's not very Sonic. <laughs> I must have skimmed over that. I would love to see the modern Mark Miller Sonic comic. I know, right? Oh my right? god, yeah. yeah. I would love to see that. I'd love, like, I would never want to see it ever, but I'd love to see it. <laughs> I mean, I hope he's at least story consultant on the film or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, given that we've got Pixel Brain now in two different scripts by different writers back to back, I'm thinking it might have been part of the STC style sheet. Maybe Richard mm. Burton made it up and gave it to the writers or something. It's definitely a product of that early emphasis on this as a video game comic. 
versus well, a it. comic yeah. starring characters from that's a video it. game. This was leaning very much towards the fact that we were kids who lived in a kind of our we we almost lived in a separate dimension where pixels and mega drives and games mattered and th- everyone older than us didn't it literally <laughs> didn't matter to them at all and it did feel like an odd sort of generational divide that you know, I guess isn't around anymore, you know. Oh, hey, bro, how many polygons you got going on? How many <laughs> polygons are working with there? I once saw, I once saw, when the when the PlayStation 3 was coming out, I saw someone argue that the PlayStation 3 technically can generate more polygons than real life. <laughs> I can't even laugh at that. Um, I have nothing else to say about this comic apart from, you know, it would be interesting that they bring in the concept of a prime badnik. Which yes. is one that doesn't have an animal inside it, except I don't think it's ever used again. The term isn't, but the idea is. Oh, is it? Oh, sure, the trooper badniks. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yes, you're right there. Although they are a physically different thing as well. The, these. Oh, yeah. These yeah. guys just kind of look like a. I don't know. It's just like a slightly bigger badnik than usual. You know yeah. what I've decided? Just with the weird shaped mouth and like the weird extending arms, which is mm. like a very a very crappy version of shape shifting. I'm gonna say <laughs> this octopus thing called an arachnobot, even though it's clearly meant to be like an octopus thing, um, is in fact uh, the prototype for uh, Metamorphia. Oh! The bobcat. It looks a little bit metamorphic. Yeah, there's a little touch of that. Yeah. Hey, there you go. There you go. See, she's a true fan. You know what? A strong, well-written female character. Metamorphia was great. She develops. Gets a happy ending, as I recall. I hope so. I hope so. I don't recall. We'll find out. That's uh, that's some time away, though. Just as long as you guys call me back for the introduction of Short Fuse, because that is genuinely my favorite thing this comic ever produced. This is something we talked about again in a previous episode, was just how some of the most memorable original characters that the... Although it would tend to be Nigel Kitching's stories that the comic was really remembered for, with its big ideas and big dramatic storylines, it was Lou Stringer's original characters, like Metamorphia and Short Fuse and Techno were the the original characters Mm. that people really remembered from the comic. But yeah, not a lot much else to say about it. You can see a lot of the same uh, sort of dialogue hallmarks from Mark Miller's earlier stuff as well. You get that moment where Sonic pops open one of the badniks and the little animal inside goes, Adorable again! Yes. Which we called attention to the first time we saw it. Uh, or uh, or on Sonic's typical sass, you know, You're amazing! Tell me something I don't know. Before we finish this story... I do want to point out something I missed on the on on Sonic's shower scene, which is <laughs> well, we have to focus. The reason on. I was comparing him to to Goku is because he yells, and I quote, "I must be out of sh- oh gosh, I can't do voices." Um, Go on, Chris. Okay, he's he's an English Sonic, so okay. Oi, mates, I must <laughs> be out of shape. Much better. I need to keep Blimey. working at it. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be faster. I need to be the best there is. So he's not Goku, he's more like Vegeta. Oh, I see. You know, I never ever imagined the um the Sonic the comic Sonic as as British. He was always American. Even though everybody around really? him was British. In my mind, yeah. Tails was British, Knuckles was British, but Sonic always was American. Oh, really? It was that air of and cool. That... It was that it's that type yeah. of leather jacket, sunglasses, cool we talked about before. It was so uniquely American television cool. See, I tried to do when I would read the comics out to my younger brother. You know, I would, Aww. I would um, same, same. do the voices American, yep. but just because that's what you did, hmm. and it didn't work. I was always hitting against Britishisms, so I, I don't think that it did works. happen. 
I do feel like he does use, like, ooh or misses, like, once in a while. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it didn't work. When, when he's engaging in his bedroom farces with Robotnik. <laughs> but no, no, my, my Sonic, as I, as when I read him to my little brothers, because we obviously did the same yeah. thing, um, was American, but everyone else is British. Hmm. None of them were Irish, of course. No. Oh. <laughs> Refuse We've got exactly what we were hoping for last issue, which is Micro Machines in the Review Zone, a game exactly. we actually played this time. Yeah. Hey. Yep, I haven't got anything to say about it, have you? No, 95% because it was great. I'm trying to remember because I know when I was doing a big reread of the series last year, uh, there was like one game that's now regarded as like a masterpiece that they gave like 60%. Oh! It was the funniest thing I ever saw, but I don't remember what it was. I don't think we've come upon anything um, well, that's... Well, read I'm along with us and you can point it, it out yeah. when we get there. Well, GP Rider. Everyone always talks about GP Rider. <laughs> I mean, remember GP Rider? Master of Darkness. Yeah, on the, on the Master System. And goodness knows everything on the Master System is held up as a classic now. Mm. The Master of Darkness game was, is a... It's a horror game. And under the Grave section it goes, Are you kidding? Lots of them! Oh, that's great! Hooray! The review zone, I think, is really taking shape over the last couple of issues, where the body text just becomes a description of the features of the game and never actually weighs in on what's good or bad about it. So then when you read the little fast facts box, you hear about things that the main body review has never mentioned. You know, the GP writer, the the grave section of the box says controls can be a pain. And it's like, but that's not mentioned anywhere in the actual (laughs) quote-unquote review, you know? I mean, it's it's refreshing that at least they they say this bit of the game's not great, but, you know, Galaga is a little old hat. It's a little old hat. I thought it was a video game. But it's a little old hat. Ugh. Well, you know, the, the Sonic hat that you're wearing, Dave, was sized for a child, and you got it in 1993. So it fits perfectly still, then, I assume. Yeah, he's small man. Small man. <laughs> he's, I'm doing this standing up. He's seated on his desk. Yeah. In his high chair. Um, yeah. Well, you, you couldn't fit him into a, like a child's high chair. He's fashioned one out of toothpicks and um, <laughs> napkins. Which he's cut by hand in the morning. He goes out and he chops down some toothpicks for firewood. <laughs> right, well, moving on from that, what I wanted to bring up yes. was, uh, was the, the, simply the use of the word earned. You can beef up your bike with money earned on the courses. Oh? And they spelt it there with a T, which I don't know. I just like, I don't think you get that past the editor today. I think it would be earned. Yeah, uh, there's another little um, linguistic thing I, that jumped out at me as well, actually, oh, in, yeah. the, in the Micro Machines review. It's so polite and British, where David Gibbon writes, this is the first Sega game from Codemasters and features nine different Micro Machines. You may have one or two players. <laughs> it's like, it's like, yes, you're permitted. You may have yeah. one basket. Thanks, Mum. And in the Master of Darkness review, it explains what lives are. So that suggests to me there wasn't much to say about the game. Yeah, the Master of Darkness one jumped out at me as one is like, yeah, here's, you can earn extra lives. No, really? And then we have Outrun 2019, which opens with the line I love. The year is 2019 and you are in for the drive of your life. Aww. Isn't that nice? That we're doing that in 2019. You still have a babe on your arm, but she's like a post-babe. Yeah. Challenges what the meaning of babery is. (laughs) You know, one thing I appreciate is I I never actually read Nintendo Power, but I always assumed every review they had was just like, this game's great. You should buy it. I know. Whereas this one's like, everything on the Sega's garbage. (laughs) Don't touch it. Shinobi. One, two, three. 
Oh my gosh, the shinobi art's so cool. Yeah, it's, it's the most well like vaporwave thing I ever saw. You can make popsicles with these colors. Yeah, it's really good, and it is The Fear Pavilion Part 5, written by Alan McKenzie, art by John Howard, letters by Lee DeVille. On the next level of the Neo Zeeds Fear Pavilion, Masashi faces off against a boastful stilt walker. To exploit his opponent's big mouth, Musashi feigns defeat long enough for the man to reveal that only one floor of the pavilion remains. Confident that Naoko awaits him on the next floor, he quickly overpowers his arrogant foe and descends to the final level. So I'm building a theory about artists at the moment in the UK, which is that you're all very small people. Because mm. between this and Stilt Man in Daredevil, <laughs> the scariest thing you can imagine is a man who's slightly taller than normal. <laughs> he's like he's like one foot off the ground. This is like the final boss monster in Shinobi. And I love how his opening thing is like, so they send midgets to fight now. And he's like, I'm up here, little man. Yeah, but you're on stilts. That's not fair. Oh, and the sound effect on the first screen. Snicked. snicked. It's not the first snicked we've had. Oh, no, it is nice. the first snicked oh. we've had, but we've also had a thwip. You have a thwip? I don't remember oh. this. Have I you had a bamf? I feel like I remember seeing a bamf in my reread. Possibly. Definitely not here. But then again, I know that those have kind of, those are sort of semi-copyrighted Marvel sound effects, but they're also good onomatopoeic descriptions of the noises there that are made by things. Oh, yeah. What, what would bamf be in like your day-to-day -day life? What do you encounter that goes bamf? Okay. Implosions of air. <laughs> Bamf, you know if you had a, a bottle of talcum powder and you just punched the end and it all came out the end, that would be a bamf. And you encounter that in your day-to-day -day life. You punch yes. the end of talcum Listen, powders. I'm very clumsy. How do you think he gets through the day? <laughs> well, that's when, he, when he's trying to collect uh, sawdust to use to, to insulate his tiny house. <laughs> he, he fastens a huge log with a fist at the end of it and he he lowers it to punch the end of the talcum powder. It's only one of those little travel-sized talcum powders. That's the biggest you can yeah. handle. I have to I have to lift it myself. It's adorable. <laughs> you should see all the pulleys he has. He made me a cup of tea before we started recording. And he, he like he he jumped on the end of the tap to try to turn it to start filling the kettle. And then he trained a cat to lift the, the kettle out of the thing and put it into the hob. And oh my gosh, this is the most darling house. It's it's a little cottage in a glade. We're an all, enchanted glade. We're both sitting on upturned thimbles. <laughs> With a toadstool for a table. <laughs> Anyone got anything to say about Shinobi? <laughs> it's really good. Well, I, this is another one that's simply a five-page fight sequence, but then this, this follows on from the previous issue where we saw that Musashi fought, fought a very stoic and silent combatant who would not speak for for fear of uh, mm. repercussions, courtesy of the, the leaders of the Neo-Zed, whereas this big-mouthed stilt walker, Masashi realizes immediately that if he plays him just right, he can get the information that he needs out of him. So we just get this really well-done fight scene. Some some really nice um, new panel layouts. The panels with lightning bolts around them so that you know it's cool. Yeah. And this is all just like a Nicholas Winding Refn palette going on. It's like everything's pinks and reds and oranges and... Right, and then you've got this really interesting layout on page, what must be, what, three, where you've got this circular panel in the middle and just, like, radial mm. panels all the way outside that. It's And then right after that, he, he punches a guy, and it's the same shape, but in one panel where yeah. it's, it's like a sunburst in the middle, and then it turns into yeah. the, uh, what is it, the Japanese wartime flag? I don't know. It feels to me, and I'm not sure about this, but it feels to me like that page is supposed to be like um, a mosaic, a relief, a relief pattern, because you can see how some oh, yeah, of the panel yeah, yeah. borders and floors have these little intricate, um, many-layered mosaic tiles in. That's what the floor of the yeah. of this particular They're room... They're fighting around like a fire pit. Mm. It's real good, and I just basically want to 
read other stuff drawn by John Howard at this point, and I don't think I ever have. No, I, I don't think I have either. Well, I, I loved his run on um, Up Pompeii. Oh, God. John Howard, he was always looking at the, the audience and saying, oh, what a strange home. boy, strange boy. <laughs> <laughs> he, never, he never appeared on Victoria Woods Dinner Ladies. He's not really popular English comedy like Victoria Woods Dinner Ladies. <laughs> That's about the twentieth time she said Victoria Woods Dinner Ladies to me today, and always with the Victoria Woods. Okay, prefix. look. Do you know why I'm obsessed with Victoria Woods Dinner Ladies? It's good. I gave my mom the DVDs of that for her birthday last year, and she never watched them. But I asked her if she ever had a chance to watch them, and she said, "Well, I must have." <laughs> <laughs> That was all she could say about it. I've never been more hurt in my life. Oh. And then we more or less close off the comic with the guy defeated and sort of groaning out, Agada. And that's his final oh, statement. Agada. He's saying over there, but Musashi's got a sword pressed into his throat. Oh, so he is. Ah. You see, I just got Agadu stuck in my head. <laughs> New zone. New zone, and it's an exciting oh, one. I, I'd like to just finish oh, with uh, to, to make make sure we're all on the same page. Uh, the way that Joe Musashi beats the man whose superpower is wearing stilts and fighting on stilts <laughs> is he chops the stilts <laughs> off. <laughs> yep. It's like he's figured him out immediately right away, but I guess it's not necessarily explicit, but certainly I took it as right that Musashi's losing position throughout this fight, his, uh, the guy having the upper hand, is all Musashi feigning defeat until he gets the guy to, this guy who likes yeah. to talk and brag, to admit he feigns that it well, though, yes, doesn't he? Well, he feigns he... it by getting his ribs yeah. broken and by getting his head kicked in. Just long enough. That's, I feigned my way through many a fight in school. <laughs> <laughs> and now I, when you skipped immediately to the news zone, I was like, that's a bit impatient, Dave. But now that I've flipped ahead to it, you I'm see very why? excited. You see why? This is news formative. Zone. This is gorgeous. This is the most important thing I've ever seen in my life. Because. This is like when, when uh, Neil Armstrong landed on the moon. <laughs> Only for that us. That did not change my life. As I mean, I wasn't. No, this was our generation's that. <laughs> yes. Describe it for us, Abby. What is it? It's a very badly photocopied picture of a poorly printed, uh, miscolored drawing of Sonic and the first drawing of Amy Rose. The very first. It's real now. The fir- because over in Japan, Sonic CD is just about ready. And part of that is a boost in the quality of the artwork that the Sonic series is going to have for a while. There's a fully animated intro, which means a lot of groundbreaking, yes, I'll say that, groundbreaking, work that's been done on making Sonic's spines work in a more 3D way. They've employed techniques they learned from Toriyama's early Goku to fill out those shapes, and that means he can now be drawn from lots of different angles, as can Amy Rose, the pink hedgehog besotted with Sonic, who Sonic is trying to rescue in Sonic CD. So, she's pictured here being carried by Sonic at speed, her spines are pointing off in the direction of travel, and this being the only artwork of Amy Rose that we had... Oh my gosh! (laughs) Yeah! It was taken rather literally by STC's artists. Oh wow! And so, her hair in STC is always going to be depicted as canonically sticking right up in the air, and it's just an extremely good look for her, and it's It's good that it happened. It's a strange one, because, like, it genuinely never... You and I talked about this once a couple of years ago now, probably, I remember. But um, it it had never occurred to me that that was the intentional read of this artwork, because it doesn't... I mean, but if you look at Amy in the Sonic CD game, yeah, her spines curve downward the same as Sonic's do. But, yeah, they're just um, the same as Sonic. But, well, but I mean, she's in this particular piece of art. She's she's doing the whole clasped hands, doe-eyed, tilted head, looking up at Sonic thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you, you talk about them figuring out how Sonic's spines work. I mean, I don't feel like this is 
a good example of how the spines would curve if that's how they turned their head to curve. Well, no, but that's the thing. It was, again, I've talked before about how this was a new form of drawing that, that artists here weren't used to. And I, I agree. I look at this and I go, how does that work? But if you look at the Sonic CD intro, Sonic does turn his head and his spikes do go in interesting directions. Mm. And they seem to they seem to prioritize it looking interesting rather than what it would actually be in real 3D space, which is Goku. It comes from... Hmm. I've been reading early Dragon Ball and they said that it's got all the same decisions being made. Uh-huh. I mean, I remember this particular piece of art very well. I never owned a Sonic oh. CD because I didn't have a Mega CD. Um, um, I had to wait until the PC I released. had the, yeah. yeah. By 1998, they were just giving Sonic CD away <laughs> as like a free copy. With See, a- I didn't have a computer until 1999. You know, the reason I remember it was because um, when I would try to draw Amy, because this was before she had appeared, I did not own this issue of Sonic the Comic and she won't appear in strips in Sonic the Comic for another 15 issues. But when I would try to draw her, not having access to the internet, this comic, any magazines, the game... How did you even know she existed in, in order to try and draw her? I think I'd read about her in a magazine in a shop. Well, you're when you're a child in the 90s, like the, the concept of these characters just beams into you in yes. the atmosphere and you're just yeah. aware that you want them. Yeah, I might have picked it up on the playground. I don't know where he got that Amy character. <laughs> But I drew her with Sonic's downward curving spikes, yeah. and I was like, this isn't right. I can't figure out what am I doing wrong. I don't I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. So I specifically, not having any money, couldn't buy the magazine as reference, so I specifically went up to the corner shop with a small piece of paper and a pencil mm-hmm. to, to copy off the cover of that magazine. What was I doing wrong? Uh. Why couldn't I? And it was like, oh, because the spikes go like that. Uh. They go up. And that's... Uh, so, so definitely, even before Sonic the comic brought the upward curving spiked Amy in Screaming to Comic Book Life, uh, in my mind, that's the way they were supposed to go, literally. Yeah. So I was just as literal as the Sonic the comic. Oh, artists. me too. Oh, me too. That's how I saw it as well. Because again, I hadn't seen that intro. I didn't understand. Was she even in the intro? I thought she only appeared in she the ending. She was credits. in the ending, yeah. 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 So, there's a couple of things that are... Oh, there's a bunch on that page. Yeah, this is a... I like... This is probably my favourite new zone so but far. First of all, just to give you an idea of how bad uh, the colour uh, Xeroxing was, they say, oh, she wears pink skirts. No, it's orange, it's you orange. idiots. How could you get her design wrong? And yet it is printed... Amy doesn't deserve this garbage. <laughs> you say Xerox, but this looks to me like it was a photograph yeah, I think of, it's a, a, photo- of a poster at yeah. an angle that's been cr- from yeah. an industry show or something that's yeah. Been cropped out. That's know? what I think it is, and it's been badly. Well, well, I mean, well Not enough to say, but yeah, they've for... they've cut it out in such a way that you know Sonic's leg is definitely too thin. Things like that. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's been. Cut. Well, no, I mean, I, he's been pretty noodly in the past. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look. It's about as thin as Amy's limbs. But you look at how Sonic's eyes are not the same color as they're not. Yes. They're not the same color as Amy's white eyes because it seems like the the surface was curved or was photographed yeah. at an angle. Yeah. Oh, I tell you what, then, it's probably not a poster. It's probably from the middle of a magazine that they've opened, photographed. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> you know what's one thing I wish they do in the 3D Sonic games, looking at this art? Yeah. Is give Sonic these tiny little noodle legs, and, like, every time you land, like, the feet plant themselves, but then the top of him, like, wobbles. <laughs> <laughs> With a noise like... Yeah. One of those spring things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does uh, trumpet here that Sonic the Comic is one of the very first magazines in the world to have this picture in it. So yeah. it probably came from a first-hand source in some way. But then yeah. Sonic CD isn't the only game they're talking about here in the news zone. They're talking about the wonderful Sonic Spinball. Yeah, yes. I, it, it, yeah I was excited about that. Because... Which has the funkiest soundtrack. Oh, it's a good one.
interest here then, yeah. Um, Sonic's Pinball also announced at the same time. I'm surprised to find it's as newfangled as all that. I, uh, for some reason I think of Sonic CD as like the leading salvo in the end times Mega Drive era. And I, I thought Spinball was already established by then, but of course it wasn't because how could it be? Spinball features characters from the cartoon, the cartoon yeah. that we won't uh, yeah. see for a while yet. But you do, do see Sally Acorn this early. But it is the Sally Acorn from Archie that's in Spinball. Hmm. Not from... Is she in Spinball? Yeah, yeah she pokes her head in at one point. It's Bunny Rabbot's only canon appearance. And it's not... Oh, and apart it's, from In My Dreams. I don't think it's uh, Sally Acorn even like from the cartoon. I think it's the proto-pink Sally Acorn mm. from that from the pilot and the early Archie comic. I wish these comics mm. had Madonna, Sonic's girlfriend, yeah. for like, the first... <laughs> Oh my gosh, have you guys ever seen like one of the really early uh, concept stories where it was Sonic was like the ghost of a fighter pilot yes! from World War II? Yeah, the secret of 50 years ago. It's my favorite. What? They I've released, never heard they this. Released you this. have to tell it me. It came no. out in the, oh, in the special like 80 pound anniversary edition of uh, Sonic Adventure 2. And I don't mean the anniversary of Sonic Adventure 2. I mean, when, it, when Sonic Adventure 2 was released, you could pre-order it in this special pack and you got a coin and you got a book telling you the secret of 50 years ago. And it had this nonsense about there was a fighter pilot who used to wear a hedgehog on his jacket or something. And, and then, and then just... he died. And then there was a like a plane crash, but his wife, his widow, was saved from the plane crash by a mysterious blue blur that looked yeah. a lot like the hedgehog on his coat. What? And some say to this day he wanders the wilds of South Island. Yeah. What? Yeah. They tried to pass it off as a sort of the canon or origin of Sonic that was the, you know, the inspiration for it all, but it was just a bit of fluff they wrote for that for some reason. I'll say one thing for the Archie Sonic comics is they, they put in enough of a groundwork that you could very easily make like a Turtles Forever crossover between all oh, yeah. of the insane Sonic. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, I, I would, uh, I would, I would read that. Well, there is a We big... just have to get Ken Penders on board. There's a big no, piece th- of... No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> There's a big piece of commissioned artwork that, that I think the STC Online yeah. people oh, have done that's, that's basically a kind of a, the two factions fighting each other. The two um, freedom fighter teams. Yeah, I just I just want the fighter pilot ghost to show up as like Sonic's buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God, what the? I've never heard that. Good God, it's great. And then the, this page also talks about Sonic's new pals, including new pals. Ray, the flying squirrel, who would never be localized to the West right. for another like twenty five years. I love this because they, I really first off I really appreciate them treating as news the fact that because they mentioned him last issue and really? in the last issue they said Aww. they didn't know what his name was and this time they're telling us that it's right and they have no other information and that yeah just, they don't know that he's a flying squirrel yet the they, fact that oh, they they already knew we may never know who he is because the arcade game may not now appear in this country Sega has go. yet to make a final decision and it never but was. new companions are rumored to join Sonic <laughs> in Sonic the Hedgehog three. Yes. Our first inclination of, or our first indication of Knuckles. As for Tails, don't worry, Tails fans, he'll still be around. <laughs> so yeah, the fact that they were treating as breaking news, the fact that we knew the name of this character was honestly, I, I genuinely think that's great because it really speaks to the audience. That's what I cared about. Yeah. Yeah, there was like a period where everyone was saying the worst thing about Sonic was all of Sonic's little friends, mm. but that's the best part, okay? You'll, well, you'll that never hadn't get happened bad. yet. Up that to, was a, up to a point. That was post Knuckles. Oh boy. <laughs> Once you hit Rouge, that's when you've gone too far. Oh come on, Rouge I also is run... great. <laughs> no, that's not that's not any any kind of slam on Rouge as a character. It's she's just kind of like the benchmark of when you cross over between the two eras. I think that's fair. And I just want to point out that uh, this this page twice incorrectly calls Amy Rose Sonic's girlfriend. Rather presumptuous, I think. Uh, excuse me, I think you'll find uh, they're fated to be together. 
and it's and it <laughs> not in this comic. And I do like how it describes her as having hedgehog delicious eyes. Uh, that's oh, a little my. creepy for me, thanks. Mm. I have you ever eaten the ice cream bars shaped like his face? Because the eyes are always bubblegum. I must so maybe have done. Do really you know? Like... I don't remember. I remember having a Mario, but I Amy don't Rose's eyes are also made of bubblegum. <laughs> Mm, delicious hedgehog eyes. Delicious frozen bubblegum. So when they talk about Sonic CD, they say, because this is a preview of Sonic CD, we don't know much about it, and they say rather than a new game, yeah. Sonic CD will be in the style of Sonic 2 with the mouth-watering possibilities of cartoon-style animated sequences and CD-quality sound, the latter two of which it definitely had. But no, it wasn't oh a new gosh, game. Oh my gosh, you'll finally be able to jump into the cartoon and play it, you guys. <laughs> Hey, that's what it felt like to an extent. But no, it's in the style of Sonic 1 more than 2. I wonder... Well, my theory here is that this is their attempt to square the differences between two press releases. Like, the latest one where they actually know what it is, and then earlier information, because it was going to be a kind of deluxe version of Sonic 2 at one point. Mm. So perhaps they thought that was what they meant. Maybe. I wonder, what what, what do you think the two Sonic-related games that they have been sworn to secrecy over were? Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Well, they mentioned Sonic 3 right over here on the right. But what else could there be? I mean, oh, Supersonic No Sweater, Sonic Chaos, Sonic Triple Trouble. That's the, yeah, oh, Chaos, possible. Chaos, and Triple Trouble were the first two that came to mind for me. But I couldn't remember when they came out, and we don't do research on this show, so I could have looked no. it up. <laughs> but... Well, I don't need to do research because I wasted my adolescence. <laughs> were you a Game Gear kid then? I I actually did own a Game Gear, but I was never allowed to use it because the batteries went down. So far. <laughs> right, you I, think, I think it was like a, an adapter you plug yeah. into the wall. Yeah, yeah, you can't play it in the car. You got to have that adapter. We had unless you have what they advertised a couple of issues ago or last issue or something which is the special battery pack that can get you two hours oh with only God. what was it 40 hours of charging or something? yeah something like that yeah <laughs> well that'll get you uh, at least all of the fun that you'll be able to squeeze out of most of the games on that <laughs> hey pop Hills is one of the all-time greatest puzzle games and that is my reason for owning a game gear and my only reason for owning a game Aww. gear We've got news of something called the Wonder Mega. Yeah, now this actually, I did look this one up. <laughs> I can't say I learned anything about it. But... I tried, I kind of failed. Yeah, it was just another uh, console that, that um, combined the uh, the Mega Drive and the um, Mega CD into one. It was it was made by a company called Victor. I was going to say, so it's essentially a, a non-official... What do they call it? What's the word for not a knockoff, but where someone else... Third party? I mean, I guess so, yeah. Like those Brazilian Mega Drives or whatever it is you can get now. Well, that sounds like a knockoff to me. But... <laughs> uh, yeah, so they're they're kind of talking about it like we should know what a Wonder Mega is already, but okay. I don't remember having ever heard of it. No, no I, I certainly don't know. Well, this was the first. Well, that's when you plug a Sega CD into your Genesis and then you put the 32X onto it, but then you <laughs> network it up to a Dreamcast. Yes. And then the Saturn controller Through plugs into like, the adapter. Yeah, yeah. the modem. Um, and then we have... Psygnosis go to the movies where they're so excited. This is, I love this. This is the news that Psygnosis, the get, no, you're right, sorry, Psygnosis, the games factory behind Lemmings, is bought by Sony. And this is something that makes absolute sense to us today, but which here is framed by an incomprehending editor as Psygnosis go to the movies because it really was not in our minds at all that we'd soon be thinking of Sony as one of the main video game companies. Yeah. Mm. Instead, we were just imagining what movie licenses Psygnosis are going to get to make games of, including Last Action Hero and Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger, God. Well, you know, Sony recently bought out uh, THQ, and uh, mm. I'm very excited for the adaptation of uh, The Favorite and uh, <laughs> <laughs> the video game of Book, The Driving Sim. And also we get to hear about other stuff that they're working on. Pugsy and Wizard what Liz. What was Pugsy? Pugsy was a... It was a, well, it was a demo on the Amiga. It was an animated demo. 
they then got hired and made it into a game, and I think it's like a sort of like action dizzy or something like that. You're picking items up oh. and taking them somewhere else. I'm not really bothered, because the other game they mentioned is Wiz and Liz, which is one of my favourite Mega Drive games ever, and my actual favourite two-player game experience ever. Which, I guess at this point, is still in development. It was... There was a little tiny wizard and a little tiny witch, split screen, and you are running along faster than Sonic, very, very fast, collecting the millions of rabbits that fill up the level. Dave, I, I see the misunderstanding. It's not a little tiny wizard. <laughs> Your television is yeah. just... <laughs> okay, look. But they there was something about them. They were about the same size as a rabbit. And and you, you would run along. Dave, you're about the same size. You'd collect the rabbits, out of them would come letters. You'd jump up and collect the letters, and then out of them would come other stuff. It was really good, okay? Go, everybody go and play Wiz and Liz on the Mega Drive. The music was amazing, it was great. Don't. It sucks. <laughs> Only an idiot would play Wiz and Liz. <laughs> I never played it, but I feel like we might see it in a future review zone, because it seems familiar to me. And I'm, I'm very excited for uh, the, the headlines in short bursts, yeah. including uh, we're talking about the two different Beauty and the Beast games on the Genesis, yes! which is an insane decision mm. to make by today's standards. Yeah, so it yeah. says that there's... There's uh, one for boys and one for girls that are still both right. like platformers, but I guess there's like slightly more adventure stuff. The Beast the one, one is going to be called Roar of the Beast. And then there was presumably a, a Bell one. And the Bell one was Bell's Quest or something. Exactly, because these came out. L yeah. Looking at this, I was sure it never happened, but it did. I'm excited for the rural French Kalos edition Pokemon Beauty <laughs> edition and uh, Beast uh, version. Beauty and the Beast red and Beauty and the Beast blue. I would. They could do that. That'd work. Yeah. That'd totally work. Actually, and then the other, imagine the other... if they wanted to print money. Is just make <laughs> a Disney Pokemon where oh you're going around gosh. collecting, like, you know, chip and stuff. Oh. I'd buy that. Well, well that was Disney Infinity. Oh, yeah. Yeah, nobody bought that. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, my friend sold me his Wii U and he just included a big bag of Disney Infinity things oh. just because no one would buy the, them the off of The figures were great. They, they were, were really pretty nice. cute. I, he gave me two Darth Mauls, yeah. one of which was broken. Yeah. And the other the other headlines here are Go Bat-A because that's how the English talk and uh, mm. welcome Fuck to on. Jurassic Park. Right, what she's saying here is Go Batty. Zool's Go to Jurassic Park. Footy, college no, style, no, in no. it. I need, take a second on that. Welcome to Jurassic Park. I need to hear that again. Welcome to Jurassic Park. <laughs> to Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. Mega Man, talk to a wow, he's attacking. <laughs> Look, I just want to spend a second here on Zool on Sega. It, the, watch out for Zool in STC very soon. Oh, God, if only. No, no. For, I would have loved that. Well, for Zool. more about Zool in STC very soon. Not necessarily that you know they were planning a strip or anything. Yeah, they, I don't they know, were man. announcing a, an upcoming announcement. We will not be putting Zool in this. Minute. What does it say? Watch out for more about Zool. You're right. Yeah, yeah damn it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But imagine, because Zool. Okay, Zool was the Amiga's attempt at having a Sonic. Yeah, having a mascot. Yeah, and and the thing is, it was two great games. I mean, well, to a certain definition of great, but yeah. I thought they were both great, and they both came with a comic. In the, uh, in the manual, mm -hmm. introducing the story. And they were real good. Um, especially, it got redrawn at some point because it was very kind of, I don't know, sort of weird looking at first. And then they hired a, a more expensive artist <laughs> to redo it at some point. And that's the one I had. And it, oh, it was ever so good. I had so much viral marketing for that game in really? the US. Because every time I opened my fridge, there was like a dinosaur <laughs> in another dimension. I keep believing <laughs> the things you're telling me. All I remember about Zool was the Chupa Chups sponsorship. 
That's right, yeah. Um, I did plays to like rented it rather than that, but um, I didn't know anything about it beforehand, and it was just so weird and distracting to see the Chupa Chups logo plastered all over the inside of the game. No, this was absolutely normal. The, the, oh, I was no, an Amiga was. player. Uh, yes, so I had Super Frog with his Lucas Aid and. Super Frog and uh, that squirrel are both video game characters that I associate with, like, being dreams, because my grandma had a bunch of games on her computer, but they were all demos. So like, uh, we could play half of a level of Super Frog. Yeah. And it was just like, I'm imaginary. You made this up. When you go back to America, you'll never find any evidence that I exist. <laughs> then, is that uh, anything else to say about the news zone? No, I'm very excited we... about footy, college style, yeah, from American football. Do not care. Look, Sports now that game. I'm English, I have strong feelings about football. Sure. I'm, I'm authentic. Okay. <laughs> That's what this all comes down to is authenticity. When we turn the page... <gasps> We've Made got a two-page spread of advertisements. <gasps> For on the left, <gasps> Star Trek The Next Generation figures. Oh, okay. Oh, what? No, oh, no. oh, you're going to be all down on TNG now? No, it's not that I just was expecting something good, is all, you know? <laughs> Get out of here. There is a figure <laughs> of Gowron. Right? There's a Ferengi yeah, okay. there. That's a what character I've definitely heard of. Yeah. Oh, j- well, they didn't uh, have. They, they didn't even name it as Ferengis a Ferengi. They had Romulan and Borger both labeled yeah. Ferengi too ashamed. Yeah, and some sort of little plastic pig thing. Don't know what that's supposed to be. And they are available uh, from Alders, Argos, Beatties, Children's World, Dearly Departed, Co op, Hamleys, oh. John Lewis, John Menzies, Toy Master Toys R Us, Woolworths, and all leading toy stores. And all the other leading toy stores there are. Yes. I love that this was like still in the Ninja Turtles like action figure era where they all came with like, this is their trademark weapon. Here's Captain Picard's trademark <laughs> stick for beating people to death. Well, <laughs> it, it, but it isn't a stick. Oh, Abby thought it? it was a lightsaber. The other Abby, my wife Abby, thought it was a lightsaber. No, they're phasers with a phaser zap coming what? out. I know, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Why what would is, you make what that is decision? data holding? Well, we won't talk about that. I think that's his Hoover attachment. Uh, oh, I yeah. Sorry for talking about TNG. Deep Space Nine is way better. <laughs> Just started season two. It is quite. I'd good. like to I take this opportunity to apologize to all of our listeners like for this so wanton display of <laughs> repulsive <laughs> nerdery. Very upsetting. They could have really gone to town painting a really good one for the. These are get back to the detailed models. We're assured next to a giant photo showing that they aren't. And oh, and. You can also get models of the Enterprise and the shuttlecraft Goddard. Have you ever heard of that shuttlecraft being called Goddard? Because I haven't, and I am currently on season seven of a full TNG. Well, I'm definitely going to name drop it. I'm going to say, "Oh, the shuttlecraft." Oh, there's the Goddard. Yeah, next time you see it, go past. And then on this next page, you might be slightly more interested in this one, Chris, because it's another one of those pages of just covered in adverts for stuff. But this time, it's actually relevant to us because this is the Special Reserve Games Club, Hmm. in which you you sign up. You pay, well, it says you join for just four ninety nine. Goodness knows what you give them each month. But it then gives you access to a catalogue of money off things, um, including the Sonic and Tails Cuddly Toys, twelve ninety nine each. <laughs> I had much lower yep. quality versions of those that probably cost more. I feel like I had higher quality versions of the Sonic one, but perhaps I'm just, maybe that's just rose-tinted glasses. Mm. Amy rose-tinted glasses. Uh, she doesn't deserve to be abused by your... Okay, she deserves some respect. She's had to deal with a lot over the years. She's been redesigned to look stupid. Yeah. <laughs> She's been redesigned to act stupid. I know. She's, the Sphinx uh, looked so cute I had to shave it. What are you on about, Amy? It's my so, favorite line. Golden Axe. Citadel of Dead Souls, part five by the regular team of writer Mark Isles and artist Mike White with letters by Tom Frame. 
Uh, in this issue, our hero's magic proves ineffective against the combined form of dark gold and black spell. The evil sorcerer transforms into a giant eagle and abducts Axe Battler, carrying him off to Fire Drake Fail, where gold intends to sacrifice him to complete the ritual that will allow him to live in his own body again. I think at this point it's just fully accepting that it is silly. Like, look at this here on page two <laughs> as Dark Gold stroke the sorcerer just punches himself in the face. Yeah, as he punches his, his Dark Gold punches the black. He's got. I mean, I don't know if we've stressed this properly enough, but yeah, he's got two heads. One yes. is Black Spell's head, one is Dark Gold's head. And Dark Gold seems to be in control of the body, and he just reaches across and punches his Black Spell head to knock it out to get him to shut up. <laughs> it's really funny. And then right after that, Axe Battler says, My magic energy is gone. I need your strongest potions. And then a potion seller says, My potions are too strong for you, warrior. My potions would kill a weak man such as yourself. You're having and then a nice Axe time. Battler says, <laughs> I need your strongest potions, potion seller. This one is another one, though, that sort of um, descends into just shouting out things from the game again at the very end. It goes full It goes well, full yeah. anime. It goes full DBZ, where Axe Battler is just going, Big Attack! Jump Slash! That's the best! <laughs> now, I looked up Big Attack. It, it, there's no mention of it in either of the manuals. Really? I, the only reference when you Google Big Attack, the only reference is to this comic. So I think it's just made it up for this, but it's very much like... They seem to think it's a move from the game because they, they do because it's not the first it. time we've heard of it. Yeah, yeah, big attack. It's time for a big attack. Well, he's kind of like a caveman, so maybe that's just his battle cry. Big attack. That oh. that, is, that is actually the Harvard uh, battle song <laughs> before every football game. I tell you what, though, I, we ha we have been wrong about something uh, about this that I need to correct. There is such a thing as the Golden Axe in Golden Axe. That was my fault. I googled it and I found out that it. I saw something that said there was no such thing. Actually, what it is, is that it does say in the manual of Golden Axe 1 that there's a Golden Axe. It's just not actually in the game. There is a big axe. Oh. It's just not golden. Well, in that, well, in So this golden axe, axe that this lady's holding, is that the golden axe? That is the golden is axe. Is that so, a yes. golden axe? Because we wondered if they brought in a golden axe for the comic, just to like justify the title. But no, they did that in Golden Axe 2. Dark Gold has a golden axe. So that is why... I, I have one piece of uh, sartorial comment here, which is, uh, you know, this is all barbarians wearing furs and stuff, and uh, the, the main lady's wearing, like, a fur bikini, which is standard, and, like, a like a loincloth made out of fur, but then in one panel you see it from behind, and it's not actually a loincloth, she's just wearing, like, bathing suit trunks that are just so loose that the front <laughs> hangs down really far. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it's like a dangly nappy. <laughs> the worst kind of nappy. Yeah, we've, uh, functionally the worst and kind. And we, we have two panels of people riding on dinosaurs. Yep, just out, out of nowhere, yeah. That's the whole they reason are called, to... They are called Bizarians, and previously I, again, correct myself, I thought that, that we'd learned that they are called Bizarians. Turns out, like, any rideable animal in Golden Axe is called a Bizarian. So the, the chickeny-looking ones, all of it. Oh, all right, they're all I like bizarre. the bit on page husband. three where Axe Battler is carried off by eagles or something while shouting, No one dares touch Axe Battler! Yeah, I do like that, actually. He's become quite endearing in his general stupidity. <laughs> yeah. He's just really not concerned at all. He fights some... What's it? Go back. What does he call it? Headless something. Headless spawn. I mean, I, I haven't Headless looked this spawn. up again once another. I have. Something we sh is Fire Drake Fell a location from Golden Axe Oh, 2? I haven't looked that up, but I did look up the Headless guys, and I know what it is, and it's actually quite cool, and I want to tell you about it. So Do, please. At, at the end of the first Golden Axe, the bad guy, which isn't Dark Gold, is... Mm, Death some, Adder. Yes. In the manual, 
there's all these references to the fact that when you fight the last boss, he might have a surprise for you. So I thought, oh, what's the surprise? So I looked it up. And you find, you enter this kind of throne room, and there's this big throne in the back, and he's sitting there. It's like, um, like almost like a Street Fighter level where there's someone observing you in the background. And he's sat there in his armor, and then he gets up, and he starts fighting you, and, that, and he's got his big axe, right? Cool. Mm. Well, then in, uh, uh, like, halfway through Golden Axe 2, you end up in what looks to be the same throne room or a very similar oh, one with this time presumably i don't know if i don't know if it's meant to be dark gold this time or whether it's meant to look like death adder again i don't recognize the difference between them they're both just big guys in armor he's sitting in a big throne again same as before and there he's leaning on his sword watching you fight and then he gets up and when he does here's the twist the head you thought he had was just part of the decoration of the throne and actually oh, he's just neat, a headless actually. armor thing that fights you that was it actually a cool. really good adam and his package song so that's what the headless guy. There's only meant to be, there's only one of them in the game, as far as I could tell. But this oh, is a, well, another one of those sort of weird sideways translations from game to comic. The other thing that I looked up that isn't from the games is that when they call their spells and there's like an angry-looking head in them, I mm. can't find any evidence of that being from the games at all. Mm. Well, I mean, I know that the idea of the characters individually having the air, fire, and earth yes. powers that that's from the that's game. But from the, the visual game. of the head is not mm. from the game. Uh, for, I, mean, I couldn't find it. Maybe it is, but I couldn't find it. I, you know, I'll bet that there are people listening to this podcast who are just absolutely screaming yes, at us right now for be, not yeah. doing our research. But but we're trying to replicate what it was like to read these in 1993 and maybe not have played the games. That's right. And also, we're doing a favour to them because we're replicating what it felt like in those days reading STC and needing to write in to be able to communicate with them at all. So do send in your letters. And your, your high scores. And your high Photographs scores. of your TV screens. And we might print them in a future issue so you can correct us on that stuff <laughs> genuinely though do, know, do tell us when we're wrong if i was a three-year-old i would definitely never be able to get far enough in this game to beat the final boss no so i would mm. sort of feel like i was weaker than this dark gold guy who's like glowing with green energy and turning into birds yeah and like catching on fire and knocking out his uh unruly second head which is the funniest thing because then for the rest yeah. of the chapter like the head's just, just leaning over unconscious. I didn't notice that I thought he was just doing like an intimidating yeah, he's look, just like leaning over right. and then even at the end here it's like <laughs> yeah. oh when when my other head wakes up yeah. oh yeah you're only alive because I that is a, a lovely panel by the way isn't it the transformation into the oh bird. my gosh they're great that panel in particular jumped out at me that's this album covery there is a scathing indictment of the x-men game yeah after they gave it 70 percent or something back in the first issue in the reviews not the best game in the world but an okay version of the coin-op game if you have bought the game and need help try this level selection (laughs) i don't think this is a that the x-men game was a version of the coin-op was it i don't know with Dazzler and, and that weird era of the X-Men, the, the pride of the X-Men era X-Men that didn't actually come to be. Don't know. Sorry, I'm getting too deep in the weeds with the technical jargon there, Dave, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> There's a Sonic 2, the, the Sonic 2 debug cheat is listed here, which did feel like a sort of amazing god mode at the time. And yeah, I guess, yeah. Whatever I, happened to cheats, you know? Uh, yeah. It's They're just so not sad. a thing anymore. Like, that's, it's great to look at these and see, like, level selects and weird things and big head mode and whatever, but no, there just isn't such a thing as a cheat anymore. Well, I think well, if you had cheat codes, you wouldn't be able to sell as many loot boxes. Yeah. Uh, there you go, maybe. But I feel as if they died out before that. I think yeah, part of it is because the kind of games we're on were no longer just literally, and now the next level, and now the next level. And there's True. more of a, a flow and a narrative to hmm. them. I mean, here's another, like, no, we talked about that. Oh, what was it? Uh, 
It was Sonic on the Master System, wasn't it? With the, the hold up and left for 12 seconds, then switch yes. the joypad ports. James Bond The Duel has something similar. Unplug the joypad and plug it into port 2. There hold down diagonal left and press both oh, buttons. Oh, that's hard on its own. Now, now, won't be able to read your mind anymore, Snake. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? You, makes me think of Metal Gear Solid when you're switching control ports. Now plug it back into port 1 and press button 1 and a level select should appear. X-Men is the same. That's got another one that does the same. Change the controller port. Actually, I remember they tried to do like a, a Psychomantis thing with Chaos Control in Sonic Adventure 2 where Did Shadow I? would read your memory card and then he'd say, Oh, I see you've been playing Sonic Shuffle. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> um, and they tell you, as if it was a, a tip or a cheat, how to use the second controller to play as Tails in Sonic. Right, I know! I love it. Go to the options screen and choose Sonic and Tails in one player mode. Well, some people didn't have the manuals because this was the UK, remember, a place uh, torn by crime and poverty. So sometimes (laughs) people would just be able to steal the game from the store. And yeah. they'd have to leave the manual there. I feel as if the fact before that before a Bobby would chase them down the <laughs> street while the Benny Hill theme played. I feel as if though the fact that it's one of them, like one of what three large boxes on the option screen, and that's <laughs> all know. that's on the option screen of Sonic Two. I feel like you should be able to figure it out for yourself. It's funny though because I do remember before I played Sonic Two that nobody on the playground seemed to properly understand that you could play <laughs> as Sonic and Tails as well. Yeah. Did you complain to the headmaster? <laughs> Or, or maybe it was the other way around that nobody thought you could play just as oh, right. It's like nobody had actually gone that deep into the options screen. I'm, I'm going to make an argument. If you look at the options screen, like that's obvious to you. But like when you're you're having your your comic book time, that's probably not when your yeah. parents are letting you play the TV. Yeah. So you're probably like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. You can yeah. be Tails. Maybe I should buy Sonic the Hedgehog 2, starring Mark Miller's Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Miller's Sonic the Hedgehog 2, starring Mark Miller's Sonic the Hedgehog by Mark Miller. <laughs> Asterisk Grant Morrison. Chuck Rock is a great name. I never played that game, but it's a great name. No, I never played it either, no. Oh, I did. It was a normal game. I always assume Chuck Rock is like the caveman predecessor of Chuck D. Head, star of the hit classic yeah. masterpiece, Decap Attack. Yeah. And also a video game. Oh my gosh, World of Illusion, that game was so good. Oh, World, World of Illusion. Illusion was before my, Sonic 3. I never knew that. Maybe my second favorite two-player. I think I played it. I don't really it's remember. So You'd like See, this is the thing. It's like, if and whenever they get that Mega Drive classic that they're working on out, there are a lot of um, licensed games from other developers and things that were considered some of the best on the system that you really would like to think they would be able to organize yeah. to put on mm. it. Like, And that's one of them. And uh, Aladdin is yeah. another. There's no way Aladdin's but, Yeah, exactly. That's because the Super Nintendo one's better. Oh my that's, god! Uh, right, out. Yeah, okay, off, that's it, done. Wonder Boy in Demon World, part four, written by Mark Isles, art by Boyan Dukash, letters by Steve Potter. After Shion fends off an octopus attack, a pair of friendly mermaids help him follow Grimomen's trail to an underwater jungle. Despite slowly turning into a demon, thanks to the Demon Lord's magic, Shion still has the strength to fight off the jungle's giant toadstools and follows the demons through a dimensional portal back to Demon World. A, a much more uh, life accurate 
uh, interpretation of an octopus monster here. <laughs> Just a bite. Actually, you know what? Now that we look at this art, it does kind of look like a giant hot dog is wrapping around him. So you know what? First comic was fine. It's on a, <laughs> it's a sliding scale, though, and this one's definitely further along it than the Arakba. I do quite like Wonder Boy here being being attacked by a massive octopus and going, what's his problem? He just stabs the damn thing in the brain. Oh, so he does. Oh, I missed that. And he that. looks yeah. so sad about it, too. Yeah. This is the like, thing. Aw. Wonder Boy is a monster in this. He's, well, I mean, I know he's turning into one, but like he's, I, I'm having a hard time thinking of him as the protagonist. Yeah, he's a bit of a d- Yeah. I mean, now this is another one. This is much like, la- this, this is probably worse than last issues, honestly, where again, it's just a bunch of stuff that happens. It doesn't have anything to actually do with the plot of the story because there's barely a plot to the actual story yet. And this is an interstitial chapter as he just moves through the water level to actually catch up with the enemy and uh, and carry the story on. You know, I have uh, a theory it, about that since since we're mm-hmm. talking about this because in the in the Tiny Toons Adventures cheat codes, oh, I had I Q-Zone. had like a like a moment while we were talking about that. I read, it's a great platform game featuring all your favorite loony characters from the great TV show. And I sort of realized, like, yeah, when I was five, like, that was why I would have played the game. would have been like, oh, there's yeah. a little sprite of Buster. There's Plucky Duck. Yeah. And this is sort of like that in reverse where it's just like, I yeah. don't care what the story is. I just, oh, it's so cool seeing... I don't think those guys were actually in the game. Never mind. The two mermaids. Yeah. Yeah, you're talking about the mermaids, right, who make me furious. Why are they too hot? <laughs> no. I'm sorry. Is, no. is it because Lo- they're called Lauren and Hardy? Lauren and Hardy? Yeah. One? No. Two? Shut up. Three? No. <laughs> you wouldn't find a woman with the last name Laurel. Come on, she's got to be named Lauren. <laughs> I'd probably be less annoyed if they were just overt mermaid versions of Laurel and Hardy. I know, that would not. make sense, wouldn't They're it? just named that for no reason. And, and, and again, not to spoil the exciting thrills that lurk in future chapters of Wonder Boy, but he's going to do this joke again with a different celebrity in a couple of issues' time. <laughs> I will now see if he'd been doing it every fortnight, then that would be kind of all right. But, yeah, but there's but just hasn't. two. <laughs> he doesn't even do rule of threes, so it just makes me mad. Oh, well, so because there wasn't a third Laurel and Hardy. Oh, yeah, Laurel and Hardy and Shemp. <laughs> <laughs> They even try to make a, a, a joke and have them say he's going to get into a fine mess, except they get it wrong and say he's going to get into fine mess. They leave out the A. Oh my god, yeah, he's going to get into fine mess. And obviously that's the famous bowdlerization of the line that was a nice mess, was the actual quote. It's uh. like, beam me up Scotty or elementary my dear Watson. It wasn't actually a Laurel and Hardy quote. Maybe they could just tell that Shion has like an eye for fine mess and he's going to really get <laughs> he's into gonna it. He's going to get into some, yeah. When he escapes from the uh, the water world, he gives a line straight out of Dave Bulmer's Santa Claus comics. He yells, <laughs> by the great Buckminster, what the holly dolly is that? Yeah, is, is that what reference? is this line? Yeah. By the great Buckminster? I looked it up. It's a village... In the UK, I don't, that's all I can give you. It's also a man who invented uh, geodesic uh, spheres. Yes. Buckminster Fuller. Old Bucky Balls. Also, uh, the village is very close to the home of the pork pie. Oh, I'm hungry already. I still have that scotch egg. I like it as a sort of um, curious, weird fantasy world swear. I like the the great Buckminster. I quite like it. What the holly golly is this, though? What the holly golly is this? And then that happens, yeah. It's such a strange way of talking. But, hey, at least least the holly golly stuff has been consistent throughout. I think the, the, again, the Buckminster, that's that's a Golden Axe line. Yeah. 
I mean, not really, because it wouldn't go not in. Not really, but, but it's 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 within the it's the sort of by the, the grain the golden axe exactly. Yeah. yeah, and this is why I mentioned. So on the next page, the golden axification of Wonderboy is in stark focus here. We've discussed before how the the um, the artist is is sort of more and the writer is sort of more interested in a darker tone than the game, and here they've turned. What were sweet, smiley-faced toadstools in the game into these yeah. demonic, red-eyed threats? These these horrible monsters talking about the cries of their slain ancestors. Oh, it's the last page is the best thing in this comic, where a giant yeah. monster mushroom says, "My roots remember your face." Yeah, they're telling me to kill you, Superman. Do you bleed? <laughs> it, I, I do like it. I genuinely like it as an idea. Yeah, oh yeah. Especially since the roots of a toadstool are the other toadstools in the forest. They're all one organism and like that that's a really cool idea. It it just it really helped sorry, it just it really hindered with my attempt to think of Wonderboy here as the protagonist because we're being told that on a previous adventure, he just came and slaughtered the family of this toadstool and Oh, now- I thought he meant just cuz he slaughtered the ones like Oh, it, maybe he did, but I got the impression it was I, a previous I, I, Yeah, time. I got the impression it was... The fact that he specifically remembers encountering killer toadstools before. Because it's ancestors. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, yeah and he's he's being drawn with, like, these sort of very tired eyes. I don't remember how it was drawn in the last issue, but he, he does look a lot more exhausted now, and his hand's turned into a monster hand. I do like the bit where he says, I've been transformed into monsters before, but it was never like this. So, yeah, of course. I mean, who hasn't been transformed into monsters He's had quite before? a life. Okay, so here's my question is the way that he names this this jungle he's in, he yells, it's like jungle world in here. Yeah. Is he comparing it to another jungle world? Or is it like if Sonic said, we're really in an aquatic ruin zone right now? <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's just their excuse to pull something from the game again. You know? Well, I, I don't know if it's from the game. I think what they've done... I mean, no, no, I, don't I know looked the this one up. There were mushrooms in the game, yeah. Oh, there were mushrooms in the game, but yeah. I don't know if Jungle World is a thing oh, in the game. Maybe or not. if... See, because what they've gone with is... The the latest game was called Monster... Uh, sorry. Monster Wonder World. Boy in Monster World. Yeah. And this is Wonder Boy in Demon World. So I wonder if they're going with that as like, oh, you must have seen some other place worlds as well. You know, if I read this as a three-year-old, I would have been like, oh, so this is like Sonic's wearing a magic crown that turned him into a human, but he's got this weird blue spike hair. He does have a Sonic look to him. Or maybe this is what Sonic used to look like. Before... Yes. Before he turned It's a prequel, in... yeah. Before he uh, was uh, like died in a World War II plane Plane accident, crash. yeah. Do you know what this comic would benefit from? Go on. Plot. Is a few exclamation marks. Uh yeah. Everything oh. is so low energy. There's a real dearth of exclamation oh, he looks like he's falling here. asleep in one panel. He's just <laughs> stabbing a guy with his sword and he's just Bottom like, oh. of the... Uh, this is the Chukov panel uh, at the bottom of the second to last page. And he's got the body language of uh, Dave when I first got here and you said, would you like a cup of tea? And you cut off a massive twig yeah. from a tea root yeah. and put it into your tiny little mortar and pestle and you went yeah. to work putting like a like a little tiny grain of tea dust into a, a yeah. thimble full of uh, water that you'd heated up that you'd collected from the, the, the dew, dew on top of, yeah. <laughs> of a leaf. Britain is a funny country. You're different from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just so... It, it, I always thought this about it, but it's just really come... It really came across in this one in particular just how low energy it is. I've been transformed into monsters before, but I was always in control. Oh my gosh. I just feel different like my arms dying. <laughs> 
I didn't notice this uh, my first read through, but at the end, uh, Wonder Boy jumps through a portal, yeah. which is the Omni Viewer mm. from Sonic. I know. It's, it looks like <laughs> it's a bit It really looks like the Omni Viewer. I I really like the portal. It's foreshadowing. I assume yeah, it's, it's a nice I assume it's an original creation or at least sufficiently grimmed up from whatever yeah, that yeah. looked like in the game. Well, the whole tone of this is to take the cutesy Japanese style and grim it up a bit. But it's yes, it's a it's a sort of a square esque, floridly bordered thing with a scribbly face in it. Mm. And it does look like the Omni Viewer, yeah. Mm. Yeah, we're onto the letters page now. We've got a couple of bits of fan art. We've got uh, one of Tails in his Badnik costume from was it issue two? Yep. So cool. By Daniel Gillings, Gillings of, Leeds. of Leeds, Sonic Badge winner. Well done, Daniel. And uh, oh, Leeds is up near uh, Huddersfield, and so is the other winners from Sheffield. Both of which are kind of near my grandma's hometown of That's Huddersfield, right. where everyone's a communist. Oh. Do you know why, Dave? I don't know. I was why, telling why Dave communists? on the walk over because I, I just realized this. Because a farmer up uh, in Yorkshire, he doesn't care if something's from his own field or Tudder's field. <laughs> So Matthew Marshall of Sheffield has drawn a... uh, It's just a sheet of stuff from Sonic. He's got Sonic's (laughs) head and Tails' head. A couple of shoes. disembodied shoes. One from each of them. It says Sonic. It says and Tails. There's a little Robotnik that says Robotnik. It says STC is fab. And there's, I suppose, one of the the monitors with five rings in it. But it's... Oh, yeah. It's kind of half... Oh, yeah, wow. I thought it was like a stamp. (laughs) Now, what I... If I remember being like eight correctly, what probably happened was he started to draw their shoes. Yeah. And he was like, oh, this is going to be like a big tableau of like a billion characters. <laughs> but then the shoes were just a little bit too close to the top. So yeah. he was like, oh, it'll just be the shoes. And then drew their heads. <laughs> we are definitely into the real letters from the real kids oh, at this point. Yeah. I mean, we were pretty sure of it from an issue or two ago. but Your magazine sure. is perfect. It's dead cheap. Well worth every penny. I think you could stand to charge 10 pence more. Wait, hang on. It's dead cheap, dead good. It makes all the other magazines look like something out of Eldorado. <laughs> El Dorado, another yes. El Dorado is, joke. Is that a... From Trevor Baker of Nottingham. Yeah, El Dorado. You Trevor Baker of Nottingham. What? What's he done wrong? He's clearly a shill. So, El Dorado was... Um, and a city of gold. We yeah, that's a huge compliment. We've spoken of this previously. Around this time, someone, the BBC or someone... I believe it was the BBC. ...tried to start a new flagship soap opera called El Dorado... And it was so famously bad that it, it was just like a byword for NAF. Legendarily and, terrible. And Robotnik made a joke about how bad it was back in issue two's comic strip. Yeah, yeah, there was a diegetic Eldorado joke in the comic that Robotnik made. So here we go with our second Eldorado reference. So I did wonder briefly whether Trevor Baker of Nottingham was an, an editorial creation for making that joke. But no, I agree. At this stage, they wouldn't have needed to do that. So it just goes to show how all-pervasive the word Eldorado had come to be as a pseudonym for NAF. It's a city of gold. And, and Megadroid's response is, as well as perfect. I hope not, Trevor, because we've got some great plans for SDC <laughs> that will make it even better, if that's possible. As for comparing other mags to Eldorado, be careful. You don't want to insult Marcus. Marcus? 
dot 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 like presumably marcus was a character on el dorado I, maybe <laughs> he I was guess. known for slicing up his enemies i, I don't think <laughs> he it was the breaking bad of the 90s <laughs> this is why it went down so well everyone wanted coronation street and they got breaking bad um hawkeyes matthew watson of formby has spotted in the first two issues the sonic statue in golden axe and sonic lying on the ground in wonder boy and megadroid says congratulations matthew you were the only boomer to spot these cameo appearances of sonic just goes to show you how sneaky some of the stc artists are the only boomers i think not yeah well, i mean does it count if you, we, we, we spotted, spotted them, them but but we did it decades later does that count yeah 20 years after the fact <laughs> um and then nicholas beach's question at pc sonic he asks i haven't got a sega console system but i do have a pc brackets personal, personal computer. computer so when are we going to get sega games like sonic on the pc and uh, megadroid replies Sorry, Nicholas, no plans as yet to have PC versions of Sonic games. However, Amstrad makes a PC that actually takes Sega game carts. You might look into that. But the answer to Nicholas is... You can download the ROMs online for free. (laughs) Not not yet. This is 1993. It was 96 before emulation took off. Yeah. You were just telling us about this PC last uh, episode, weren't you, Dave? That's right. It was advertised in the previous comic, so there's your shill. But no, the answer to Nicholas Beach's question is October 1996 with the release of Sonic CD... For Windows 95, which was two schools and ten lifetimes for me at the time, but was in fact, in actual linear time, just three years. um, The time between Sonic 1 and the launch of Sonic the Comic, in fact. So hang in there, Nick. Dear Megadroid, I think your comic is... Sorry, I gotta do uh, my citizenship, my UK accent. Yeah. Dear Megadroid, I think your comic's brilliant, matey. I don't think anyone knows this. The free stickers and the badge were really good. Even my 19-year-old brother wanted to put him on his car. Only 95p is a great deal and the drawings are ace. I'm only 14 years old. Okay, sorry. I'm only 14 years old and I think... I was going to say, yeah, do you get less British the younger you get? Keep up your good work. By the way, I'd like to see Altered Beast as a comic strip. Stephen Hill... Birmingham, I do exist. Yes, I do. <laughs> Sonic badge winner. I, I genuinely do believe Stephen Hill did exist. I know it yeah. does seem like shilling, but this this is pretty standard stuff. Well, for that we all used to write in like that because we thought it would give us the upper hand in getting selected. You see, you know what? That's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm hungry. Would I would you like rather a, he didn't. Exist. Would you like a digestive? It's a knockoff oh, digestive. I do enjoy food. It's not a real digestive. Why? Thank you, young man. Help yourself, there's plenty of them. What what Dave's just done is he, he chipped off a tiny crumb off of the size of a giant <laughs> cookie that's sort of been hanging precariously over his house. Dropped he, there by the people who are in the home. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We Okay, if, if you find any sound problems, that's because he has to move a leaf over the side of our house so that the people who live in the house above us don't see us and try to sweep us out into the gutter in the street. Halfway through, Dave said, uh, hang on, I'll, I'll get an extension cord. And he climbed up the, the inside of a grandfather clock and um, pulled a, a piece of copper wire out from a, from a, a dangling piece of upholstery. And, and then he sort of fashioned it into to a big thick... We can't touch it, it's so big and... <laughs> So uh, that's the end of issue five. Yeah. And uh, next issue, we're told to prepare for the end um. of STC level one. It is exciting. Uh, it is, you know, Shinobi and Golden Axe, the thrilling climaxes. Sonic and Wonder Boy, the action never stops. Plus news of two Sega-sational new STC well, series. I think the emphasis there is on the never because, yeah, they're saying it's the thrilling conclusions of Shinobi and Golden Axe. But Sonic and Wonder Boy... 
just the action that never stops. But it is the end of that level one, and it is um, it is where it is my first issue. Next issue. Oh yeah, that's right. Yes, I came in at the end of level one, and it is it is odd because I mean we'll talk about it in much more detail when we get to the issues, but it really does represent the end of the first. Uh, era of the comic whenever issue issue i mean the next issue is a nigel kitching strip but then issue seven represents the arrival of richard elson the first supersonic story the launch of streets of rage and kids chameleon um but in the case of the sonic strip in particular it does launch into a big run of kitching and elson stuff that would absolutely begin to define the unique world that sonic the comic would live in so exciting times ahead i would have been really into kid chameleon when i was a kid but i never never saw it and while that is true it's also a very funny joke <laughs> i got it slowly <laughs> so abby uh how did you find issue five of sonic the comic i gave it to her at the start I just <laughs> it over. stop these terrible <laughs> puns i can't take it it was all right <laughs> it made me feel a lot better about the pitch i'm sending out soon <laughs> A real thrilling one for your first time on the show. Yeah, Yeah, I had no idea what was going on in any of the serials. So if you want to follow us on social media, I am at Chris McFeely on Twitter and on YouTube. I am at Demon Tomato Dave on Twitter and YouTube and Twitch and that. And I can also be found on my Disney podcast, Serious Disness, which you'll find by looking for it. It's D-I-S-N-E-S-S. I'm uh, Ms. Abitha, M-I-Z-A-B-I-T-H-A. Or you could just look Abby Denton. Our opening theme was synchronized by Sonic the Comic The Band, sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. This has been Sonic the Comic The Podcast. And we will see you next issue. Bye. Bye. Wonder, Wonder Boy. Boy, my favorite Tenacious D song. Mr. Wonderman, the Sonic-related Right Said Fred song. Shabba. What do you mean, Shabba? I'm thinking of Mr. Loverman. Shabba me. <laughs>